Hello and welcome to Design Break Podcast, a podcasting experience designed to help you break into the creative world, grow your career, and push your potential as a creative professional. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and I'm here to help you accomplish all of that. So let's get started. Hello, podcast family. Hope you guys are having a great day. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Design Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke. And today's episode, we are unraveling a trend that has been stirring up the design world, the rise and potential fall of design subscriptions. It's a journey from a celebrated innovation to a subject of intense debate within the creative community. You know, for honestly, for me, I was super excited about it. Now I am seeing it for what it is, and I'm hoping to share that with all of you today. So picture this. You're a designer or studio owner in 2023, that's right now, or potentially uh, that was the last year, depending on when you are listening to this, uh, navigating a landscape where traditional project work is being overshadowed by an allure of predictable, steady income through the form of design subscriptions. It's an enticing concept, consistent work from a stream of regular clients, But as the trend unfolds, questions and complexities arise. Today, we are going to dissect this model even further, scrutinizing its impact on the creativity, client relationships, and the sustainability of design business. Now, I'm going to bring back something for this episode, something that we kind of have uh, cut back on uh, recently, and that is the listener of the week. And this listener of the week is... Jonathan Beal. Okay, I know for a fact I'm probably saying your last name wrong, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Me and Jonathan actually used to play Call of Duty uh, quite a bit in the past. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Jonathan, for listening, for engaging with us on Twitter. Uh, And if you would like to be a listener of the week, all you have to do is engage with us on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or the best part, if you could leave a... uh, leave a comment or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasting fix. Uh, We're going to try and work more of these listener of the weeks into these episodes. And before we dive into today's uh, episode, I want to give another huge shout out to Creative South. This is something that I've been doing in every episode for probably the past three or four episodes. uh, But I feel like Creative South is a cornerstone event for creatives like all of us. It's not just a conference, it's a convergence of talent and ideas and inspiration. At Creative South, we don't just attend, we immerse ourselves in a world of creativity. The 2004 conference promises to be a beacon for creative minds, seeking growth, connection, and inspiration. As someone who's been a part of this amazing gathering for years, I can attest to the transformative powers that Creative South has. So don't wait. Visit www.creativesouth.com to be a part of this event and buy your tickets today. All right. Now let's steer back to our main topic and peel back the layers of design subscription models, a subject we first touched upon in episode 32 of the podcast as part of our profitable pricing mini series. We're not just talking about a billing method. We're exploring the paradigm shift in the design industry. And our first point takes us to the heart of why this model gains so much traction, how it and how it is reshaping the way that designers and clients interact. Now, for those of you who may not have ever heard of a design uh, subscription, a design subscription is a business model where clients pay a fixed monthly fee for ongoing design services. Now, you can think of this very similarly to a streaming subscription like Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, 
but for creative services. So a design subscription is what we like to call a productized service, where studios and individual creatives offer packaged plans with fixed prices and expectations catering to companies of different sizes, industries, and overall need. And honestly, when I first heard about uh, design subscriptions, I thought it was like the perfect uh, perfect example of a productized uh, service for clients. And, you know, you'll see as we dive into that, why I thought that. Uh, and then we'll talk about the downfall of why I think it's not anymore. But let's talk about the appeal of the subscription model. So for freelancers and studios in particular, it offers you predictable income. Uh, a steady reoccurring revenue stream is honestly a significant draw. You know, this predictability and in income helps in financial planning, stability, which is often a challenge when it comes to project-based or gig-based work. And honestly, as a freelancer who's been doing this for so long, predictable income is probably one of the best forms of income when it comes to running your own business, to being a freelancer. Uh, and it's why things like retainers have often always been a great lure for creatives. Now, some people agree that retainers are great. Some people disagree with it. I personally love retainers. Uh, I love long-term contracts with clients. And so, so design subscriptions was like another version of that with completely different set of guidelines. And the next allure is client retention. The subscription model fosters long-term relationships with clients. This can reduce the time and the resources spent on constantly acquiring new clients. As we've always heard across many different industries, acquiring a new client takes so much work than to keep an existing client. And so having a design subscription means that you have a client that continuously is bringing work to you every single month, who's constantly paying a monthly fee. And so you don't have to necessarily go out and retain new clients. Now, sometimes you will, sometimes you will want to as you're building your business. The next uh, allure is efficiency in workflow. Working with a regular set of clients allows better understanding and streamlining of work processes, which can increase efficiency and productivity. As you're working the same process over and over again for every single project or every single client, you're going to get faster. You're going to get better at what you do. And the fact that you're able to create a process that's very efficient and continuously putting things out, then you're going to be able to fine tune that. You're going to get better at it over time. Uh, the next lure is scope of upselling. As the relationship with clients strengthens over time, there's a potential to upsell additional services or higher tiers of the subscription. Now, this is something that I feel like is a little bit more difficult with a design subscription, but it's something that you see across all different business models, all different pricing models for uh, design, where you can easily upsell clients to additional projects by asking them, you know, is there anything else that you need help with before you finish a project and so on. Uh, and then the last allure here is reduced marketing efforts. And this kind of goes back to the client uh, acquisition part, but with a stable client base, less effort and funds are needed to be allocated towards marketing and outreach activities. I honestly think that this is probably the lower tier version of that. I think that almost every single design studio or freelancer should always be marketing their, uh, their services and the things that they do. They should always be posting and sharing and just continuously working on building a bigger client base. Now, the same thing can be said. There are 
Also, some very important uh, allures for uh, clients as well. Uh, it's not just one-sided. It's a two-sided uh, business model that benefits both freelancers as well as their clients. So here's some benefits that clients could uh, find from having a or working with a design uh, subscription. Number one, it's cost effective. For clients, especially startups or small businesses, a subscription model can be more budget friendly. It provides access to professional design uh, services without the high costs usually associated with ad hoc projects. Now, for instance, here, a good example of a design script subscription for a monthly fee would be, let's say, uh, $3,000. That would be a, a good idea. So every month, a client pays their designer or their studio uh, $3,000 a month in order to get a, speci a specific range of design services. When they pay that $3,000, they know that they have a specific scope or a specific amount of work that their designer can do, that their studio can do. And so they're able to plan out. They're able to be more cost effective because if they were to pay a retainer or if they were to pay based on per project basis, that $3,000 could be $5,000, $10,000, uh, depending on who they are working with. And so their needs might not be that extravagant. And so a small design subscription might be all that they need. The next lure is consistency in quality. Clients receive a consistent level of quality and service. They get familiar with a particular style and can expect a standard of work that aligns with their brand. So the more that you're developing these projects or these tasks for your clients, the more you're able to keep up quality, the more you're able to quickly understand what their needs are, what they're expecting, um, which of course is the same for a retainer or a long-term contract with a client as well. Uh, the next one is flexibility and accessibility. Clients can submit requests as needed without hassle of negotiating and setting up new contracts, new statement of works for each project. The flexibility is particularly appealing for businesses with ongoing design needs. Now, one thing that I'm going to note here, and we're, we're going to talk about this, I think, a little bit later, is that with these uh, this flexibility and accessibility, there are drawbacks in that there's only a set number of things that you can do every single month. And so if you are a client who has very high demand, you need a lot of stuff from your creative uh, team or from your designers, freelancers, whatever, you're going to, you're not going to be able to use this system because you're going to have too many needs. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. And then the next one here is time efficiency. This model saves time for clients in terms of vetting designers for each project, negotiating contracts, and onboarding new designers. So basically what it does is it creates you, it makes you a vendor of record, um, an agency of record, studio of record, and you're basically their go-to for projects. Again, some of these, uh, a lot of these uh, client side pieces are pieces that work for other business models, other pricing models for design. And then the last one here is kind of, very similar to the first one, which is predictability in expenses. Much like the freelancers, clients also benefit from predictability of the expenses, aiding in their budgeting and financial planning. I can tell you this from uh, my own personal experience with long-term contracts and retainers. Clients love a specific price point on invoices because when they do that, they cannot say, okay, six months of working with uh, Blue Cyclops is gonna cost X amount. 
you know, six months working with another agency, you know, where we're doing one-off projects here and there versus long-term thing could cost us three or four times that much. So being able to predict how much they are spending, how much they are budgeting helps out dramatically. With all that being said, let's actually talk about one of the biggest examples of design subscriptions. And in fact, if you have heard about design subscriptions before, it was probably based on this person's model. So the best example of design subscriptions and the source of its popularity came from Brett Williams, the founder of DesignJoy. I first heard about uh, DesignJoy and Brett, uh, I think it was on the Futures podcast with Chris Doe, uh, and I was enamored by it. I was like, oh my God, what they were talking about, how they were talking about it was just spectacular. Go check them out. Go check out uh, the Futures podcast. You won't regret it. There's a lot of great information there. And it's also good to hear uh, you know, the whole basis of a design subscription um, from their own conversation. But coming directly from DesignJoy's website, DesignJoy operates on a single yet effective premise. Clients pay a flat monthly fee starting at $4,995 for unlimited design services. This model is akin, as we said before, to popular subscriptions like Netflix, but tailored for design needs. Clients can request a variety of design works, including marketing materials, promotional content, and social media graphics. And so honestly, when you look at that, you're like, okay, that's pretty interesting. And when you dive deeper into how their system works, there's a lot of appeal. So for freelancers, so we're going to talk about the appeal of this. For freelancers and studio owners, DesignJoy kind of represents that paradigm shift towards financial predictability and client retention. It offers a consistent income stream and opportunity to build long-term client relationships. And for clients, it provides a cost-effective flexible and accessible design solutions, ensuring a consistent quality of work with predictable expenses. Now, here are the challenges with DesignJoy's uh, model. While the model is appealing for predictability and efficiency, it brings with it a set of challenges that a lot of people may not think about. Uh, for instance, managing uh, workload, ensuring creative quality, and meeting diverse client expectations are aspects that require careful balance that under the right person's tutelage, you can definitely do it. But a lot of people may not have the fortitude needed for a challenge like this. Uh, there's also some other challenges. As I was doing research, as I was exploring and talking to a lot of people who have uh, jumped on the design subscription bandwagon that I've constantly seen over and over again based on the DesignJoy uh, setup. Now, I'm not saying that this is uh, a problem for Brett at DesignJoy. I'm saying that this is a challenge that I kind of perceive could happen for somebody else. The number one thing that I found was that in his own words, talking about uh, you know how he started with the design subscription, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It wasn't something where, okay, all of a sudden one day I switched to a subscription model and next thing I know I was making half a million dollars or a million plus dollars on design subscriptions per year. Instead, it was something that took him, I believe he said seven years in order to get to this point. And so, and that the main reason why was during the pandemic 
when people needed cheaper resources, they needed those lower budgets, and so they were more appealed for a design subscription. That is one of the biggest problems. The biggest problem is a lot of people think that's a light uh, switch that you can just flip and start doing a design subscription and you'll have tons of clients clamoring at your door. Unfortunately, it is not that. Unfortunately, there is pitfalls. There are different things that could happen. And there's also the possibility that no one will be knocking at your door. Now, I'm not saying that that's how uh, it would be for everybody who follows the DesignJoy method. I'm saying that that is definitely something to be cautious about when it comes to uh, design subscriptions. The other problem that uh, that I saw, and it was something at first that was very appealing to me as a freelancer and a business owner, was the structure in which he handles his projects or way that DesignJoy handles their projects. And that is that every single client, they can request as many uh, designs or, or projects or tasks as they want, um, but they only tackle them one at a time. Now, when I first heard this, I was like, that is a really cool idea. Okay. So they can, you know, submit as many as they want, but working on them only at one time. And so what can happen is you have this giant backlog of tasks, but you're only working on one at a time. Uh, and then, you know, only switching to the next one once you complete it. Now, for those of you who have worked in house at startups, or you have worked with a lot of startups as clients, you've had retainer clients, you'll know that a lot of times there is probably you're working on three or four projects at once. Um, a lot of these startups, uh, they are working at breakneck speeds. And so sometimes uh, you'll have situations where you're going through revision after revision after revision, and you have to, at the same time, be working on two other projects. So in those situations, for those specific clients, a design subscription will not work. I could easily see, too, that if people aren't carefully looking at the process or understanding the process during the onboarding phase of a design subscription, that it could easily create some angry clients, especially at the out at the start of uh, working with a design subscription model. So definitely something to keep in mind there. All right. Also, just want to say a quick little caveat. I'm not putting down Design Joy or Brett at all. I'm just giving you some honest uh, thoughts that I had as I looked at these models. These uh, these these thoughts and reactions they don't reflect negative on Brett or Design Joy at all. I think honestly, what he is doing is really inspirational. I am just offering you some thoughts on why I think that you might want to be cautious before you make a jump into uh, switching to a design subscription. It's okay to probably offer uh, start offering a design subscription in addition to your current uh, offerings, but I wouldn't jump into it full force and make it the only offering that you have for clients. All right, so let's actually uh, talk about the rise in popularity with design subscriptions. You know, why were design subscriptions becoming more and more popular? You're seeing them popping up all over the place on Twitter. Everybody was switching to this model, you know, and honestly, the main reasons were, you know, growing demand for continuous design services and support from clients. Clients were looking for things like this. They might not want the traditional retainer model or have a lengthy contract. So they wanted to keep their options open. 
Um, the economic fluctuations and increasing shrinking budgets for clients in 2023, everybody was afraid that a recession was going to hit. Inflation was at an all time high. And so a lot of people out there were getting really scared, which honestly I was too. But for freelancers too, probably one of the biggest things was enhanced client retention and continuous income. You know, both of these were very important for freelancers, especially going into a time where we were all scared what was going to happen economically, you know, being able to have, you know, clients stay with you for a long period of time and having continuous income is definitely a huge reason why design subscriptions became so popular. But the other thing, and the last thing that we'll talk about right here is the fact that it was scalable for both freelancers and their clients. So this made it a very, very attractive uh, business model for design. Now, we kind of delved right there into why the subscription uh, design subscription model became so popular with freelancers and barely, barely touched on it for clients. Let's actually talk about the market influences, the things that clients were looking at that were really helping to cause such a popularity in signing up for design subscriptions. So the first thing is, you know, preference for cost-effective solutions. You know, amid the economic uncertainties that we just discussed, many companies sought more budget-friendly solutions, you know, for the design needs. Design subscriptions offered a cost-effective alternative to hiring full-time designers or contracting multiple individual uh, projects appealing to budget-conscious clients. Budgets were probably the biggest reason uh, for a lot of people, a lot of clients switching over to finding design subscriptions. Uh, and I'm honestly curious. I wish the one thing that I could do is talk to some of these clients who made the switch and find out if it was something that they were more happy with than their previous design experiences or the ones who quit uh, using design subscriptions who want, who realized or who thought uh, didn't like what they were seeing with them or how they worked. So I would love at some point for us to hopefully find someone uh, out there and maybe interview them for the podcast that kind of talks about that. Uh, the next thing is demand for agile and flexible services. And this is some of the stuff that we discussed in the previous section. So the dynamic nature of the digital market meant businesses had to be agile and responsive. And with that, clients preferred flexible design services that could adapt quickly to changing market trends and business needs, which subscription models were a well-suited uh, well suited service to provide. Uh, a lot of them needed to be able to pivot at a moment's notice, especially younger startups where they're just trying to figure out what's working, what's not, where they have to switch from going from one marketing campaign to the other. Uh, they had to switch their lead gen systems. They had a lot of different things going on. And especially we saw in 2023 that there was a lot of changes going on in many different spaces. And so this then goes into the preference for predictable spending. You know, companies, especially those in growth of scaling phases, like the younger startups who are going through Series A or Series B funding, they favored predictable spending models. Design subscriptions with their fixed monthly fees allowed for financial planning and control over expenses. Just like with retainers and long-term contracts, these are things that, that a lot of clients tend to gravitate towards more than just having one-off projects. And honestly, it's the reason why with a lot of my clients, I tend to try and put them onto a long-term contract or retainer 
model because that way we are able to uh, help their needs within staying in X amount of hours versus staying within, you know, X amount of tasks. Now, the last one we're going to talk about with this is the value for continuous improvement and iteration. Modern businesses, particularly in this tech and digital sectors, valued continuous improvement in their products and services, regular design updates, iterations, uh, a feature of designs of subscription services aligned with this philosophy. This is something that I've seen year, year in, year out when it comes to a lot of startups is they don't necessarily want to just create one thing and stick to it, especially when it comes to marketing. Uh, one thing with Blue Cyclops is we focus a lot on uh, working with marketing teams and marketing departments at startups. And the thing that we see constantly is that marketing teams don't just want to stay in one place. They want to pivot. They want to change. They want to iterate and evolve. With one of our clients even right now, we have been working with them on updates to their website. And instead of focusing on creating all the pages at once, we've gone through and we've gone through multiple uh, layers of revisions, multiple as we go from one group of pages to the next, we try and push the envelope. This is something that we wouldn't normally do or normally suggest to clients, but this is something that we see that this particular marketing team and this particular web team wants to do. And so these philosophies are different for everybody. And so with design subscriptions, they saw the value in being able to continuously have someone working and improving upon their designs. Now, even for myself, I considered with uh, I considered opening up a second branch of Blue Cyclops as a design subscription. It was something I contemplated. It's the reason why I know so much about this space, why it was so popular, why uh, it attracted so many freelancers and so many clients to. But ultimately, what I decided was that the cons outweighed the pros way too much. In fact, uh, I went through and I had a couple of discussions with people who had design subscriptions. I went through and uh, audited probably a dozen design subscription websites, including DesignJoy, trying to figure out how they worked, how their processes worked, how um, they uh, worked with their clients. And in that time where I was auditing all of these uh, sites, all of this information, I quickly realized that there were a lot of holes. There was a lot of things from my own personal experience, both working as a freelancer for agencies, working for a freelancer in-house, and also working in-house, that I was like, something's not quite working here. Something isn't quite right. And so I realized that instead of a design subscription, it was probably best to stick to what we are currently doing. Now, in the future, could I decide to offer a design subscription? That's a very good possibility. Will it be for every one of our clients? No. It's honestly, it would be designed specifically for a specific clientele or client archetype or persona. It would not be for every single client because it doesn't work for every single client. With the clients that we currently have and the clients that we love working with, a design subscription would not work because of their continuous needs that they have. If I was uh, someone who was completely all about the money, I could definitely switch to a design subscription and my clients probably would have to pay a lot more money compared to what they currently pay. And honestly, they probably would not be clients of mine very uh, for very long. So 
for me, it was a no brainer that a design subscription, at least for now, does not make sense for me and my business. So we kind of talked about, you know, what a design subscription is, the rise in popularity of it. Now let's actually talk about the downside of design subscriptions. Of course, I've kind of, you know, put this in there throughout the whole uh, episode, um, but let's, let's actually focus on that. Let's focus on what is the downside of design subscriptions. And let's start with the downsides for freelancers and business owners. So the biggest downside, as I discussed earlier, is the initial client acquisition. You know, acquiring your first clients and adding new ones can be very challenging and take a long period of time. With DesignJoyce example, as I said earlier, Brett founded his company in 2017, which I believe is what, six years, actually six years, not seven, six years ago. And it wasn't till during the pandemic, three years later, you know, three or four years later, that it really began to, to take off. Now, I'm not saying that's how it would be for everyone. I'm not saying that that, you know, uh, that everyone's going to have the exact same experience as uh, Brett with DesignJoy. However, it is an important thing to discuss. It's something that is talked about in uh, the Futures podcast, but in other interviews, we don't hear so much about how long it took before Design Joy took off. And so it's very important that we consider that, that it took a long time. It took three to four years before the design subscription started to, uh, to really grow. Now, if you are a freelancer or a studio owner who just started, a design subscription may take a while to grow versus someone who is established, who has clientele, who has a, a strong network that they can reach out to. So very, I, I would definitely hesitate to suggest, suggest having a design subscription, especially when it comes to those initial client acquisitions. The next thing is onboarding new clients. There is a major startup cost of time and resources to create a perfect and fine-tuned onboarding process for you and your clients so that they know exactly what to do in submitting requests, expectations, and much more. And the thing is, especially with your first, let's say three to five clients, you're going to be uh, finding all of the mistakes in your system very quickly from them. And sometimes they're going to be costly, especially if you don't outline things precisely to where clients can easily understand exactly what they are buying and they understand how to submit things. There could be moments where they submit, they submit requests the wrong way. You didn't know about it. Next thing you know, they're like, Hey, where is all of our designs? So you have to make sure that the onboarding for new clients is very, very strong. And so that takes a lot of time. I know this firsthand because we have been working on onboarding documents for the last three months for new clients. So it's not something that is very easy or very quick to do, especially because a lot of these design subscriptions are one or two person teams. So it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to be quite a bit. The next thing is workload management. Managing a consistent and potentially high volume of work each month can lead to burnout very quickly, especially for solo freelancers or small studios. Balancing multiple subscription clients simultaneously can be very challenging. So in a lot of instances, when you first start your subscription, you might not have a lot of clients. You might have, like I said, maybe two or three. Um, if you're lucky, some people will have one or even none. And so, you know, as you grow, though, as more and more clients get added, when you go from three clients to five to 10 to 15, 
the more you add, that means more requests, more time. Next thing you know, you're sitting on your couch and you started in the morning. Next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute, why is it dark outside? Because you're still not even halfway through all the requests that the clients have. So you have to be very, very careful about your workload management and having systems in place. The next thing is creative limitations. Continuous work with the same clients may limit your creative diversity. Freelancers and studio designers might find them some stuck in repetitive patterns, hindering their creativity and innovation. And honestly, it also will affect burnout. It will quickly cause burnout with your creativity. You know, the fact that you're constantly have to, having to be on, you're bearing those constantly having to be thinking about, you know, what you have to create, how you're going to create it and everything. It can be very tiring and it can really affect your whole mindset. The next one is income ceiling. Unlike hourly or project-based work, where income can scale with the project size and complexity, subscription models typically have a fixed income ceiling. This can limit revenue uh, growth potential, especially if the subscription fees are not proportionate to the work required. Um, and so this, again, there's so many different things that can go into this, so many things that you have to consider and change. And honestly, with a design subscription, uh, a lot of times what you can do is you can spread out over months um, all the tasks that the client needs. Of course, they probably won't uh, will need it in one month versus three months, but it is going to be harder for you to kind of upsell increasing a subscription uh, in order to handle uh, the workload. So it's definitely something to think about there. And then the last thing we're going to discuss here is client dependency. So a heavy reliance on a few subscription clients can create a risky business scenario. Losing one major client can significantly impact the revenue, making the business model less stable than it appears. So still like you have this regular income, but then if you can't meet one client, you can't like go through and, and produce what they need, they might drop off. Then you lose a chunk of your income. Same issue can happen with retainers and long-term clients or long-term contracts. And honestly, it's just something that you have to deal with. So it's not necessarily something that's unique for design subscriptions, but it definitely is a hole in the armor. So let's go over uh, a list here of why a design subscription might be a downside for clients. Uh, the first one is value for money. Clients might not always have enough design needs to justify the monthly fee leading to situations where they are paying for services they are not fully utilizing. Uh, this was actually something that was brought up in a few different podcasts I heard on design subscriptions where people uh, likened it to a gym subscription, right? Where you're paying monthly for a gym, you're not going, and you're kind of like just paying for it for, or you might just forget about it. Now, this might seem like a big value to some freelancers, it absolutely is not. It is not a value uh, whatsoever because what happens is clients will quickly be like, wait a minute, we've been paying for six months for this and we haven't used them. And the next thing you know, unless your contract is iron tight, they might come back to you like, hey, we would like a refund because we never used these services. Or you might not have reached out to them. They're like, hey, you didn't remind us that we were still paying on the system. We want our money back. And guess what? Some clients, their lawyers are way bigger than the ones that you have or that you may hire. So it is definitely a scary situation. Uh, the next one is flexibility concerns. 
You know, while subscriptions offer some flexibility, clients might find themselves locked into contracts that don't perfectly align with their changing needs or prefer a more project specific approach. The other thing too is with flexibility is that model of working on one task at a time. Like I said before, a lot of clients have so many things that they need help with at once. And so tackling one task at a time may not be very beneficial. Uh, the next thing is lack of personalization. In some models, especially those handling high volume of clients, there's risks of standardization, less personalized services, and clients might feel their unique brand needs are not being thoroughly addressed. Definitely something that uh, can freak clients out very quick. But probably one of the biggest things, uh, biggest issues here that can happen with design subscriptions is lack of collaboration. Some clients prefer collaborating closely with their designers so that they can come to solutions quickly together. With this model, collaboration can be very limited or even, or even almost non-existent. A lot of people who have design subscriptions, probably the thing that really drove a lot of designers uh, to look at design subscriptions was the fact of a lot of people talking about having no meetings whatsoever with their subscribers. So for instance, everything would be handled through a Trello board or Notion or some other uh, project management software, and there would be no need for meetings. They would handle everything with Loom videos or with email discussions, Slack discussions, or even directly just in something like Trello. And honestly, a lot of clients that I've seen over the years, they would flip about that. Uh, one of my favorite clients that we work with, um, they are constantly very big on collaboration. In fact, uh, in this situation, we tend to jump on calls quite a bit with them and do live collaboration sessions where we are in the design files, designing together, trying things that they suggest. Uh, and some people see that as micromanagement. Some see, may see that as bad practices for designing. Honestly, with this particular client, that is the perfect situation because it allows them to see what works and what doesn't. They might have some ideas on the fly. And honestly, it's been a blast working with them in that capacity. Now, will I do that for every client? No. Should you do it for every client? No. But you can see here how that collaboration really helps in this next point, which is with a design subscription, it's very hard to build relationships versus what I was just talking about. That is a perfect relationship builder. There's a lot of collaboration. There's communication. And honestly, it has made them a very, has made not them, but us a very strong partnership that hopefully will continue for years and years down the line. Now, in this arrangement with design subscriptions like this, most communication is faceless. And so it's harder to build rapport with your clients or them with you. So again, we're talking about communication here. Communication as the whole reason why we did a, I think a big mini series on it is that it helps to create the best relationships, the best partnerships with your client. It allows them to feel like they've been heard. It allows uh, them to understand very quickly uh, your suggestions, what you're thinking and everything uh, like that. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about with uh, that pertains to clients with the downside of design subscriptions is innovation stagnation. For businesses that require innovation and constantly evolving designs, the subscription model may not be uh, the best fit. You know, 
as it might encourage more routine and less innovation approach, more of just production. And that honestly is one of the biggest problems with design subscriptions is a design subscription is designed for production. If you are a creative who loves to solve problems, if you are a creative who loves to get into the weed of things, a design subscription is not for you because its main focus is production. If you want to be a production designer who you're just creating, you're just churning out work like that, like crazy, without learning or increasing your capacity for problem solving or creative leadership, then yes, that, that's perfect. The design subscription works. However, if you're someone who wants to improve the lives of your clients, improve the work that is going into it, you don't want to focus on being a production powerhouse. I have worked in two production powerhouses in my life. It was miserable. And honestly, if I did that with Blue Cyclops, I know that me and my team would be very, very miserable. As you, as we've like talked about this, we talked about the, you know, the ebbs and flows, the, the good and then the bad of design subscriptions. Now I want to talk a bit about, you know, why my perspective changed. So as I said, at first, I was super excited, super gun ho. I was sharing on social media and I was even sharing here on the podcast that I was really excited to explore the possibilities of adding a design subscription to Blue Cyclops. During that initial excitement, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. This is something that I believe could easily start, you know, a secondary income stream for Blue Cyclops. It wouldn't be the primary income stream, but it would be a great secondary or tertiary stream down the line. And as I said before, I spent plenty of hours planning and creating diagrams on how the description would work, how others have worked auditing countless uh, landing pages and websites for agencies and start or agencies and studios and freelancers who all were doing subscription uh, based uh, models. And the problem I kept running into was that the subscription model went against how I wanted to run my studio blue Cyclops. I wanted or I want to build a strong relationship with all of my clients and be there for them, providing value in a range of different ways, which I do with my retainers, long-term contracts, as well as sending them things that I know will uh, bring them value with their business. What I found with a design subscription is that it was a quick way to get to white labeling, where basically you hire people to do the work and you put it under your label. So like what it would be is it would be us taking blue Cyclops, hiring a bunch of people overseas uh, and having them do the work for super cheap and then making boatloads of money off of their work, making huge uh, profits, fulfilling all these needs with that work, which is something that I didn't want to do. I've seen so many agencies and studios do it in the past. Honestly, thinking about it, it makes me sick. Because I don't want to do that. I don't want the quick and easy win. I don't want to make tons of profits that, you know, aren't done in what I consider the right manner. Not, and I'm not knocking the people who have done that to each their own, honestly. And, you know, I've seen people do this in other fields and other aspects. I prefer to uh, have someone that I work with, for instance, um, everyone that I work with. They're here in the United States. They're all within, you know, a few hour time zones and we're able to have a very collaborative, you know, experience through Slack and through video calls and things like that. 
versus just hiring people off of Fiverr or uh, hiring a ton of people, you know, in Malaysia or the Philippines or Poland. Like I wanted to make sure that everyone I bring on the Blue Cyclops team, they, you know, are making the money that they need. They are, you know, happy in the work that they are doing. And so that was something that was a huge difference for me. But probably the biggest turning point for me was when I started to see throughout the design community, there were a few instances. I'm not going to say there was a ton of, of these happening, but there was a few instances where studios and agencies, both big and small, who completely pivoted their business model to a subscription and they laid off creatives in the process. Uh, there were a few instances, I'm not going to name names because I'm not going to get political or anything like that, but there were a few instances where uh, studios were laying off their entire teams and switching to this model. And honestly, to me, that was a kick in the face to the creative community. Uh, I don't believe that that was uh, that's something that is a smart move in the long run. And I feel like it's completely disrespectful to everything that we are doing as a creative community. The more that I looked at the pioneers of the subscription model, the more I realized I didn't want to be like them as a business owner, as a creative. And so as you know, as we take all look at this all as you know, one big picture, like I said, Many design subscriptions are focused on peer production. You know, there's less personal touch, less of relationship growing, less of innovation, problem solving. And as I uh, shared before in previous episodes of the podcast, it's my goal to create a solid, genuine relationship with my clients and others in the design community. It's why I put out this podcast. As of right now, I don't get paid to put out this podcast. I pay everybody out of my own pocket, but I pay probably close to over $500 every single month to be able to put out this podcast. And if I'm investing this much into the creative community, why would I do something that I found was detrimental to the creative community? So I feel like this is something that will set myself, my business, and others like me from uh, apart from those who are focusing on design subscriptions. And that's, again, my own personal opinion. And I don't mean it to be negative or detrimental to anyone else out there, especially those of you who decide or have decided to build design subscriptions. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about in today's uh, episode is the future of design uh, business models. Uh, and these are just some like predictions for the future with design business models. Uh, I believe that they will continue to change and evolve over time, especially, uh, based on client needs, technology, and of course, economics. That's probably one of the biggest factors that help change or force change within design business models. I believe that the future will be not just a singular type of model, but a blended uh, model, business model for design designers, uh, studios, freelancers, where you will see, you know, things like subscription services with traditional project-based work, offering clients more customized solutions. You know, we're still considering for Blue Cyclops creating some sort of blended model for productized services within our current suite of uh, creative uh, services and offerings to our clients. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing is that we're going to see is greater personalization um, when it comes to these business models. You know, as technology allows for more tailored experiences, 
I think that the business models might evolve to offer more personalized client-specific services, especially those of you who do end up uh, going the design subscription route. I think it makes more sense for you to evolve over time and to create a more personalized uh, version of this system. Uh, and then the last one uh, that I'll talk about here is flexible pricing structures. Um, I think that we're also going to see that happen quite a bit when it comes to design subscriptions. I don't think that we're going to continue seeing a fixed pricing model on people's websites. I think that might change depending on people's uh, needs or depending on the client's needs in particular. Personally, I believe that design subscriptions will still be around for many years to come, and they probably should be. I think that they fit the needs um, of certain uh, clients. You know, some clients are looking for production-based creatives, and so this model fits them perfectly. The same can be said for the creative side of things as well. Like, you know, I think that a design subscription works for many clients, but it also won't work for others. So I think they will still be around. I don't think that they should go away. Again, I think that they work for some people. But that is the conclusion of today's long-winded episode. Um, this has been a episode in the making for a while uh, I have been talking about making this episode for probably the last uh, three months or so. And so I wanted to make sure that I shared this with all of you. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to hit that like button or the subscribe, whether you're watching it on YouTube. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast on the other platforms, like if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe uh, or follow us there. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please share it with someone who you think will be benefit from it. Um, Please share it with someone who you, who is grappling with whether or not they should go the design subscription route just so they can hear um, my perspective uh, on it. I think that it's very important to view uh, all sides, not just, you know, the positive sides of things. Um, also, uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, and we will be putting out a lot more content <laughs> this year in 2024. Um, if you guys haven't already, head on over to www.thedesignbreak.com and check us out. Check out all the previous episodes. You can listen to them there. Uh, we worked very hard in December 2023 to get this new website up. Uh, big shout out to Chris Cannon for all of his hard work on uh, all of this, as well as uh, Joel Anderson for all of the amazing graphics. And as always, my uh, amazing content editor, uh, Deanna Chapman, for all of her hard work in editing this episode, getting it up to all of you. All right. That's it for me today. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, and always remember to stay passionate, stay positive, stay creative. That's it for me. Bye.